This episode is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online video platform geared towards making you a better hunter. Watch instructional videos taught by hunting experts like Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, and Corey Jacobson. After the hunt, learn how to prepare your harvest from world-class wild game chefs like Hank Shaw and Jamie Tagan. Whether it's your first year hunting or you grew up doing it, Outdoor Class will take your skills up a notch. Use code EMPIRE20 at checkout to save 20% off. Visit OutdoorClass.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Pennsylvania Woodsman Podcast, guys. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I really, really appreciate it. And I would just like to say Merry Christmas. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. Stay safe and enjoy your family. Um, I'm blessed. I have a wonderful family. Uh, I truly do. No matter how I look at it, whether it, I'm talking about my immediate family or <clears throat> my, my, my wife's family that I've become a part of, I am blessed. And I easily, easily abuse that and overlook that uh, more than I care to admit. <laughs> it's uh, I'm not trying to be a doom and gloom Debbie Downer here, but I've struggled um, pretty much all year, mostly the, the second half of this year, fall, um, just with balancing priorities. You know, I've, I've, I've had some podcasts on and I've hinted at it in a couple senses. Um, you know, I've had some, some days and some, some trials and some things going on that just really put some mental strain on me and I've, I've allowed it to put mental strain on me. You know, uh, anxiety takes away, um, your energy for tomorrow and does nothing to help you for today. And I know that, and I believe that, but there are times where, it's just become so overwhelming. I don't know where to, to turn to and stuff. And I, it really just comes down to one simple fact is I've allowed my priorities to become out of whack. And, and I've said before my, where I want my priorities to be would be God, family, friends, you know, career finances, and then everything else below that. And it just hasn't been that way for me as much as I, I kills me to admit that. It, it just hasn't been that way for. Him. So one one of the, the coolest things that I've been a part of in my in uh, in my my family with all my wife's family is uh, we get together at Christmas, and our Christmas this year was uh, a week early with with her family, and we do this real cool thing where we just kind of share our our blessings and concerns as a family together, and we pray about it. We pray about it together, and then it's it's listed for us in our in our minds. We write it down, and throughout the course of the year, we're praying about it. And I I can't deny what the power of prayer does. I've seen it on so many, so many, so many occasions in my life. And uh, you know, the the thing that I said is I I really want um I I want you guys to pray for my my priorities. So I'm gonna be um, shifting gears, trying to recurb my mind and, and do that. And I'm telling you guys all this because what is the Christmas season to you guys in the first place? Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ideology and, and 
theories as to what Christmas is and, and the holidays can get really, really chaotic, but the, the true meaning of it is the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I cannot, no matter how much you try to censor that, the, the truth is, the, the, the truth just screams and, and the truth is him. And guys, I'm, uh, I'm spewing all this at you because I really wish that if you don't know the, the truth that I'm speaking about, that I would like to encourage you to talk to somebody and maybe find yourself into a Christmas Eve service tomorrow on, uh, on Saturday. And I, uh, I'm just, uh, praying that you find, if, if you've got questions and you're hearing me spew and you think I'm nuts and, and you want to reach out to me, do it. Um, you know, I've got my, our social media, Pennsylvania Woodsman podcast on Instagram and Facebook and our email, PA Woodsman podcast at gmail.com. Guys, I would love nothing more than to answer questions the best to my ability about this matter because none of the stuff that we talk about on the show hunting outdoors related none of it matters um with without uh without this savior that i speak of so i'm just wishing you guys the 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 best possible christmas and holiday season that you could and i hope that if you um, are feeling human and down like me over certain things that you can come and lay your burden on our our Savior and be given rest. That's really what I'm praying for you. Um, and, and, you know, the, speaking of the Christmas season, one thing I would like to share on my podcast, I put a social media post on probably two weeks ago now about uh, John Hudspeth from the Outdoors Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. He's uh, on our Sportsman's Empire Network. Unfortunately for John, he had uh, he had a little bit of a rough elk hunt. John had been planning out an elk hunt for a few we- uh, years, I believe, and it was a semi-guided hunt in Colorado. It was a rifle hunt, and he drove his his he actually borrowed his dad's truck because he said he gets better fuel mileage. But he borrowed his dad's truck, had all of his hunting gear loaded in it, and he had his trailer and ATV hooked up to it and drove to a hotel somewhere outside of Denver, stayed the night. And when he got up the next morning, everything was gone. His, his truck had been stolen. All the gear in it had been stolen. The ATV was gone, everything. And John, John described it as like, if you can imagine having the place in your house where all of your hunting gear is stored and then just imagine it's just not there. He goes, that's basically the way I would describe it. He said somewhere between ten dollars and $15,000 worth of hunting equipment was just gone. Stuff that he'd acquired and purchased and saved up for over the course of, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, you know, trying to get the the, the hunting clothing accessories and, and everything else that he, he wanted gone. And uh, first of all, He's uh, he's really I'm I'm sure he's had his his struggles and broken down over it, but he's he's really been as positive as he possibly could be. Um, whenever you know any of us on the network have talked to him, so one of the cool things in the in the Christmas spirit that my friend Andrew Muntz at the Ohio Outdoors podcast did was set up a GoFundMe page. So I encourage you to check out Outdoorsman for Oklahoma for Jod Hudspeth. GoFundMe. It's um, I'll leave a, a link in the description of this episode, and 
you can also check it out on the social media platforms. Andrew Muntz at the O2 Podcast has it, but we'll make sure you, you, you look into that. If if you would so kindly um, wait, if, if it's something that would weigh in your heart to try to give back, in a sense, give any little amount goes a long way. I think we're over halfway to our goal. But uh, if, if that's something that you would like to contribute, John's a great guy, and we would love to be able to replace his hunting rifle, um, which is a fraction of what he lost in, uh, in that whole escapade. But it's a really cool cause, and I'd like to just put the word out there if that's something that you would like to contribute to in this holiday season. And, um, hey, with that, um, let's shift gears and talk about this week's episode. This week I spoke with... Fellow Pennsylvania hunters, Jeremy Dismore and Dimitri Sidorik. I really like those guys. It was uh, I've, I've, I've been back and forth with Jeremy um, numerous times talking on the phone, texting with him. And Dimitri, that was the first time I ever got to speak with him. And they are the hosts of the Antler Up podcast, which is also on Sportsman's Empire. And I just had a good old-fashioned season catch-up hunting BS session with these guys. And we, we kind of uh, dive into, first of all, we talk about our hunting seasons, you know, what, what you learned, what you experienced, what you saw. And we get into a rant a little bit about the, the pressure you put on yourself to shoot a buck and kind of talking about this, the stuff that we do as podcast hosts and being part of the Sportsman's Empire and just talking about how managing social media can get a little bit chaotic. And even if you don't like social media, if you're on it in any capacity, you're exposed to um, just the the thought that you got to shoot a buck and everybody else is shooting deer and why am I not? And even if you you say, I don't care about any of that, if you do any social media, you're exposed to it. And it's it's not hard to let the uh, let that self-doubt in the back of your mind creep in if you're having a tough season. We kind of just talk about that and just share how, you know, our philosophies have kind of uh, morphed over the years with uh, with that in the background and also being the, the, the fact that we have these podcasts and we're talking about um, hunting and a, a fraction of our show is, is talking about our own hunting and it's just this like unnecessary pressure we put on ourselves that we have to shoot a buck and it's just kind of a, a, a neat thing for me to discuss with them and uh, we, we go into Demetri had a fantastic hunting season knocking a couple deer down and uh, we, we just uh, catch up with these guys. They're, they're great guys. Uh, guys, check out the Antler Up podcast if you have not already. They have a lot of really, really great guests over there. There's a lot of great strategy episodes and stuff to learn from and take from those guys. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, they're great dudes, hardworking hunters, and uh, hardworking family men. So they're, they're people you can relate to, and uh, that's why I wanted to chat with them. So, hope you guys enjoy this week's episode, and again, Merry Christmas, and we'll catch you next week, right before the new year, and uh, stay safe out there. We'll see you. 
hey, we're live, and I got two great guests with me. I got Dimitri and Jeremy from the Antler Up podcast. For those of you who don't know, which I'm sure most of you do that are listening to this, Antler Up podcast, uh, join the network this year. But you guys have been rolling for a while. Um, I'm really excited to do this episode. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Awesome to be on. Yeah, so uh, we, we were just kind of talking offline here. We were just talking about our, our seasons a little bit, and you know, it's been very up and down for us all to some degree. But um, Dimitri, you, uh, you, you really, uh, how do I want to put this? Um, shot them on a pile, pick out the big ones, kind of deal. Is that <laughs> is that how we go about that? Like you, you just had a heck of a season. Well, not all the ones that I shoot are big ones, but I, I <laughs> like to put them down. So I'm not very picky when it comes to deer. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, I, one of the things that's been kind of crazy for me, so you obviously know you guys do a podcast and social media is kind of a necessary evil within this. There's a lot of positive attributes to social media. There's also a lot of negative ones. And one of the things that blows my mind is, and I've seen it now, two years since I've started paying attention, you get through the heart of gun season, you know, as we're, as we're talking, we just closed gun season here in Pennsylvania. And every year when you get around that time, there's always a handful of people who just do nothing but complain, complain, complain about the deer herd and the management and this and that. And I just, I find it so funny because all three of us hunt some degree of public land and it's not easy hunting, but we we have success in our hunts. I just find that so interesting. I, what are your guys' thoughts? <laughs> well, I think everyone's going to complain. I mean, for me, I'm not a huge social media guy. I mean, I don't have a great presence on there. If you ever follow my page, I've seen deer pictures and a couple of my family. But, you know, I think a lot of it's more negative than positive out there. And it, like you said, I... I feel like I've made some great relationships with people that I've, you know, it's not like they're influencers or, you know, anyone special out there. You know, they are to me, but I made some great friendships out there that I never would have if, if social media wasn't a, a, a thing, like if, if I never would have been on there. Um, so I'm greatly appreciative of that. But I think on the other hand, there is a lot of, you know, I mean, daily I contemplate uh, deleting my social media just because, you know, <laughs> I feel like it puts a lot of pressure on myself even, you know, especially when I go through the season and I've talked about this before is, you know, you get through the season, you see those bucks killed. And, you know, if you're, you know, have a platform like a podcast or, you know, some sort of hunting page, you feel the pressure of you have to be posting something all the time. Uh, so that really dawned on me for a few years here. Um, but then this year I just felt like I kind of let that all go and didn't care what people thought. And, you know, if, I kind of finally realized that, you know, someone in another state that's making a comment or even in the same state, uh, as long as I do it legally, it doesn't bother me. That's great. That's a really, really great outlook because I've said this before and I'll say it again. I hunt for myself and nobody only, but you, you put a, okay, I'm, I'm speaking for myself now. I put pressure on myself, unneeded pressure, unnecessary pressure, um, for, for myself and, and probably also now because I'm doing the Pennsylvania Woodsman podcast and it's like this um, expectation I have that I have to produce something and produce something that's um, yielding 
a result and a lot of time when you think yield you think a harvest and that's not how it works and there's so much more to this and and you guys guys uh have done this longer than i have so you guys completely understand that but um Jeremy, man, you uh, you've been hunting your 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 freaking tail off. We've been texting back and forth a little bit here. Um, fi- finally, uh, finally laid a doe out last weekend. But man, c- catch us up here. Yeah, uh, finally had an opportunity to get a doe during the last weekend of of uh, gun season. Uh, but man, like I've said on a podcast with Dimitri and I a couple weeks ago, and uh, actually had a chance to speak with a student today at school because. Uh, he follows along with what we all do and which is great. He's a hunter. His dad's a hunter. And, uh, you know, and it, he's just asked, uh, he's like, Hey, that one buck, do, do you mind showing me a picture that you talk about the piebald and, and, uh, another big one? I said, yeah, you know, so I showed him uh, a photo, but you know, I kind of like what Dimitri said, this was a year where myself, like I didn't, I took the camera, I think on two hunts, uh, to, to film my hunts. And then after that, I was like, screw this. I just want to go out enjoy the time, learn from it. And it seemed like this year, I mean, I, I saw a, a, a legal shooter buck, like the second week of, of the season. I had opportunities that, you know, I wish I had back. I had, you know, a bunch of other doe encounters, deer encounters, just things that maybe close in and, and have that, that closing moment, which is okay. But I had a moment. And that goes from a couple of years ago where it was always waiting for the rut. You know, you're going out almost every single day in October and I just couldn't seem to pick the right spot or I finally would get in distance or I wouldn't get in distance. And, uh, so in all, I, even though I've yet to, to fill a buck tag, but in reality, all the, the deer that one I've got to see when I was in the saddle and two, how many deer I've had a chance to locate and find some, you know, whether they, close to bedding or things like that with the trail cam strategy that I was using. I still think of it as a very successful year, uh, even though I had, didn't have the opportunity to really wrap my, my hands around some, some horns. 2021, I was not able to punch a buck tag and I'm not going to lie. It was, I had gone a, a I don't know, four or five years where I'd been consistent and I just came off the biggest buck of my life in 2020 and I go into 2021 and I didn't kill a buck. I had opportunities. Uh, Most of them I goofed up and I hunted as hard as I possibly could. And I'm not going to lie. It really, really bothered me for a while. And and, and in all reality, it shouldn't because I, I was still able to bring deer meat home by the end of the season. I, I harvested a doe with my muzzleloader. I was, you know, I filled my freezer in that respect. But um, the pressure that I put on myself was just astronomical, and there was there was, I I don't know this this need to shoot a buck. I, I'm slowly learning. I'm I'm not saying it's it's by any any means good, but I'm I'm slowly learning the the result of killing a buck is just it's just overemphasized i mean i want to kill a buck every year and i was fortunate i killed a buck this year but i I mean there's so much more to this than that like your journey throughout your entire season that stuff was you you, you're going to utilize that more than ever and i'm kind of curious you said that there was a couple of instances that man i wish i could have them back like, is there anything in particular you were hinting at, or is there like that one instance that's like haunting you from this season or like what do elaborate a little bit? 
Yeah, so the one I could really think of is the Halloween weekend uh, was probably my most crazy deer hunting kind of day I had in the woods. It was that Saturday when Penn State played Ohio State. And uh, early in the morning, like during gray light, I had a doe in a, in a spot. And this spot that I went to was because the night before my dad and I got a chance to hunt in the evening, actually all day. I took that Friday as a personal day and all day I was in a kind of in his quote unquote rifle area. And he was uh, trying to think where he hunted that day. I think he was like more so on top and we, he saw like a doe or something. I did not see anything all day. And I stayed in the same spot and that evening walking out, we were maybe three minutes away from our truck and to the right side of the trail in our headlights right in front of me kicks up a doe and I see a buck and like in the head, in my headlamp, I could see that it was actually like a, a good, mm. nice buck, not just like a rinky dink. So I looked at, at my map on my phone and it's exactly where I've marked deer before. And I was like, you know what? Uh, cool. That's keep note of that. And the next morning, when I was uh, going to go down to the bottom, I just had a gut feeling to go back to that same spot. And that's what I did. And I just cut into maybe about 70, 80 yards off that, that north road we called. It. It's just a two-track road. And deer seemed to like to parallel on that, uh, going into that timber, maybe 15, 20 yards from there. And they'll walk straight up it. It, it doesn't matter. And I was up gray light, a doe. A couple hours later, uh, a half rack comes through a decent half rack. I was kind of bummed that he wasn't fully, you know, engaged because I he he would have been an easy shot actually, and let him walk and uh, just because it just felt like one of those magical moments of, of of those days. Later on, another doe comes through, and then all of a sudden, a badger, uh, not a badger, a friggin' fisher, I see kicks up something, and then going down the uh, a couple ridges on the opposite side, I could see a a big white rack going down. I was like, crap. And about five minutes later, I hear kind of rustling going around and I give a grunt call and up comes a buck. And I see that it's, it's a shooter buck. And I was kind of anticipating the buck to go kind of from my right to my left to be more so on my uh, strong side, shooting side in the saddle. But this buck came straight on a beeline right up the North road, basically. And I, Wish I would have at like maybe 40 yards spun around to do a weak side shot because it would have given me like a 14, 15 yard shot. Um, it would have been, I would have had a probably had to give him a frontal shot if mm. that would have been my shot. But he turned while I was still in my strong side position and his head only is like nose and the top of his, uh, points were sticking out. And at this point in time, I already knew it was the pie ball. That is a beautiful, beautiful buck. And he took another step. So it was like full head was out. And all of a sudden he just knew something wasn't right. He bounded about 15 yards, uh, making it now almost like 30 yards. I quick ranged it. At that point, I was already at full draw because I was anticipating him to come out. And when I saw him bounding, I let down, quick ranged it. He's about 35, changed the dial to where I thought it would be good. I tried to stop him, like doing a mouth grunt call. He, as soon as on the second one, because the first one he just kept taking a step. The second one he took off running. Mm. I let down. So that's the one I really wish I had back. Like 
I play that one over and over. I could still see him just walking straight up on a beeline and just being like, you're an idiot. You should have turned over. <laughs> so it was mainly, it was mainly your, um, I'm going to say your transition of how you would position yourself in the saddle is kind of your, your main takeaway from that. Yeah. Just because like, again, if I would have spun, I got, and I always keep thinking to myself, like, could I have gotten away with, you know what I mean? Cause he was, uh, he was walking up just eh, 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 like, just kind of, you know, could I have gotten away with that movement? Like, I don't know. And, and it's like, I was, I guess I was being a little too cautious and wanting him to read the script of like getting on the one trail that these other deer were on earlier and like walking right in front of me and having a strong side 15 yard shot. That makes a lot of sense. It's sometimes those, the, the moments of the highest anticipation are often the ones that are hardest to decide if you're Correct. going to have, um, the ability to be aggressive in your movements or your transitions or stuff like that. I mean, I've been in situations where you tried to be aggressive and it busted you. And I mean, sometimes it's, I've been in situations where I felt like I could, I could do a line dance in the tree and it wouldn't matter. I mean, it, it's, it's just amazing how, each situation could play out differently. Uh, but Dimitri, you, uh, you were able to, uh, it seemed like everything just went right in your favor. So I'm anxious to hear about your Pennsylvania buck, especially now we were talking off. Like you, you killed a buck in Pennsylvania, doe in Pennsylvania, and, uh, you, you killed a buck in Ohio, correct? Yeah. Two does in Pennsylvania. Two does in Pennsylvania. Nice. So your, your <laughs> buck in Pennsylvania, did you, uh, did you, you killed that f- before Ohio or after? After okay. November twelfth. Okay. Um, tell me a little bit about your season because I mean that November twelfth. I've listened to you guys in your podcast before, and you, I, I think you, from from what I've gathered, you guys really like to hunt that, you know, end of first week into second week in November. So that was right in your sweet spot. So I mean, kind of tell me about the events leading up to that point where you where you did harvest your deer. Yeah. So the season started again. I, I was trying not to put a lot of pressure on myself this year. I just wanted to go out, have fun, enjoy the season, you know, not worry about posting anything. You know, I don't even think I put many, you know, stories up of me being in the tree, you know, as soon as I got up, you know, typical thing most people do. I just wanted to kind of enjoy the moment, you know, and I was really just trying to make really calculated moves, just like any, you know, guy that's the weekend warrior. There's very limited days that you're able to hunt. Uh, luckily, my wife was able to, you know, giving me the opportunity to get one or two days uh, during the work week at night to work on my early days and then typically all day on Saturday. So, uh, you know, I was really trying to figure it out of, you know, where was the best place to sit. And, you know, I'm starting to kind of figure that out a little bit, which took me years. You know, it's not something that you're going to pick up and, and really uh, learn quickly. Maybe some people will do better than me. But uh, so leading into the season, I'm always trying to push myself and, and do better each year. And my goal was, is always to try to put a doe down early because the year before it was, I think my first doe that I put down or deer even in general was November 6th. So, you know, even though we were getting into that, that peak of the rut, uh, I was still even just looking for a doe. And, you know, so I hate that kind of moment of, you know, do I shoot this doe? Do I wait? Is there a buck behind it? So you know, I always wanted to kind of take the edge off early on. And, uh, you know, so it was early on in the, the season. Um, 
And again, I think if you put less pressure on yourself, go into what we were talking about before, and Jeremy talked about that gut feeling, right? And we talked about, you know, you talk about being calculated, but you also talk about the gut feeling, which is kind of technically two things. But I, I honestly think now that gut feeling is a lot more calculated than you think if you have a clearer head and you're not putting that pressure on yourself, you know, that that gut feeling is telling you that for a reason, right? You know, you, things are going on. I, I mean, I'm no psychologist, but I feel like there's a reason behind that giving you that information, right? And I, I felt, especially on my first doe kill, I, I went into a spot that I knew Jeremy and I have hunted before. It's a good doe area. We've seen bucks there before, but we know that there's heavy doe traffic there. It's on public ground. It's kind of a, a corner piece that kind of bumps up to some private uh, that holds a lot of deer. So I, I went in there, uh, you know, it was a little warmer, so I knew it wasn't a good day to go after a, more, a mature buck. So I was just going to try to put some meat in the freezer. And, you know, when I got in there, uh, it was... I think it was like mid-October. I don't know the date, 14, 15, 16. Uh, but it was after work. I was running a little late, so I was getting quick getting in there. It's a little bit of a walk to get down into this piece. And, you know, I got in there, and I, I was getting to the opening where I wanted to be. And, I, again, I have trouble kind of picking that right tree, right? I always second-guess myself, and I'm, I'm figuring out, should I go over there? Well, this looks better, right? Um, but when I got in there, I could hear a lot of acorns dropping. Right. And we always a lot of talk this year. I felt like I've heard on podcasts is that feed tree. And especially early on in the mountains of PA, we get, you know, acorn crop is a lot of the times the, the major food source for these deer. And I could just hear the one tree in this little opening just raining down with acorns. So I said, I'm just going to get right here. It's the first tree I saw and I got up. Now that night when I'm up in the tree, I'm set up. I have about two hours till dark. The whole time that I'm sitting there, even though I'm enjoying the night, I'm thinking, ah, I should be over there. Or, you know, I should be 50 yards to the right, left. And there's like three spots that I was just driving myself crazy and, you know, thinking that where I should be. And that's all I thought about the whole night. And then about 20 minutes before uh, dark, I hear direct, coming directly behind me uh, two deer walking. And they came right down to me, 25 yards in front of my opening. And, you know, I shot the first doe. So that was kind of my first kill. And again, you know, my gut feeling was to get in that tree, right? And then not to always second guess yourself. So I try to kind of use that experience and continue that throughout the season. Um, so, I got a question for you, Dimitri, on that. So you yep. said about the, the gut feeling. I, I learned that too. One of one of my hunting mentors, my uncle, has said, he said this to me before, your, your gut feeling that you first get is, is – typically right the example that comes to my mind is like i'll never forget I, I shot a buck one time and i ended up not getting him i shot him through the back straps and when i shot i saw where my arrow hit and i initially right away said that looks high but i was thinking well it's a steep angle it's this and that you know i, I think i got a lung this and that and i didn't and and i told him that story and he's like Typically, you know, your emotions take over after that first happens and stuff. So you were talking about second-guessing yourself in the tree. Um, I, that's one of those things that I think even experienced hunters do to some degree because your 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 mind races so much. And I want your guys' opinion because I know you're 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 busy 
guys, you know, work, family, and everything else. Do you think you both can answer this question? But I ask you first, Dimitri. Do you think that that is, or, or that attribute of going into a tree and then picking your spot and then second guessing yourself in that spot, that's what? Do you think that's because you just a have a, have you just are not quite as confident in your setups, or is it just for the sole fact that your time allotment that you have in the woods is so finite because of everything else in your life that you uh, it's easier to second-guess yourself when you're under a fixed amount of time? Because I feel like there's a lot of experienced hunters that get older and they have more time, and it's easier to make those decisions because it's a it's more methodical process. And I I personally will rush into those decisions and then second-guess myself. So like I, and I, I let that on to you guys what you guys think in that. Yeah, I, I think time is definitely a major factor. And I think just, you know, the, the mobile hunting game has changed, right? For, you know, good, I think, for majority, but then also bad because you might venture into a spot similar to where I was at or, you know, other areas that you feel is really good, but you haven't been in there. You might not know exactly what the travel is. And then I think, too, your mind just plays games with you once you get up in that tree and you get a different vantage point and things look better than when they're on the ground too. So I think, you know, you might see things and think things that might be a little bit different because of that. And you kind of start to second guess. So I think it's a little bit of, of both. Um, it just depends, you know, what your situation is, if you're hunting public or private and you've been there and kind of experienced that a lot. Jeremy, yeah. what are your thoughts? I, I definitely think it's the time like for me personally, I think it's that time thing. Um, you know, I kind of talked a little bit about it last week with, uh, I think it dropped on the podcast, uh, today on our podcast, like with Brandon, uh, with Mitria and I and Brandon, when I said, I set up a, a pre-hung set the night before. And I knew when I, this was just still during rifle season but I only have access to hunt this spot with a bow. And I was like, man, by the time I get to pull in the, the park, I'm only going to have about 28 minutes, like less than 30. I know that's a random number. But then till I get set up back, like even climb in the tree, uh, get tethered in, I'll have 25, 24 minutes to go. And so I knew I couldn't run into the spot that I normally would have liked to have gone. And I was up in that spot. I'm like, oh, I, I think this could be a good one. Like, even though I pre-hung it the night before, uh, I, I knew it could go have gone either way. But I I do think time is that big, big factor because, I mean, like, you could know you have 45 minutes until first light. You're setting up in the dark, whatever it be. And if you don't have a tree marked already, uh, whether it's on a mapping or you put a night eye, whatever, somewhere, you know, you could get in that spot. And then once the daylight breaks, I mean, how many times have you heard it on a podcast or whatever, heard someone say, oh, man, I should be 30 more yards over or three trees over. But at that same time, I, I think like it, it, it's just something that I think we all just do. But for me personally, I think it's it's that time factor. I mean, and I think, too, like what your gut feeling I think it goes both ways. I think your gut's going to tell you when it's like, yeah, I think it's good. And I think your gut's going to probably tell you when like, yeah, it's not happening type of ordeal as well. 
Yeah, and I think information overload, and with you guys being podcast hosts, and I'm in the same boat. Like our our minds probably race more than they yes. need to. We we probably forget the simple things in a lot of cases. But Demetri, I want to continue down. So you you you, you accomplish your goal, knock the dough down, and and keep going through the season leading up to your buck. Yeah, so a lot of pressure was taken off uh, having one beer in the freezer. So that, you know, I felt really good about that. Now moving forward, it was I think the I think the 22nd was that Saturday. Uh, wasn't sure where I wanted to hunt. Uh, the spot that I killed my buck last year, it was a kind of a little bench and pinch point that I found uh, on the one bridge that I hunt. And this area after I killed my buck last year, I wanted to learn more about it. So I did a little bit more scouting. I went in there in the spring. I hung a camera and I wanted to see what the kind of the movement in there was uh, from may and then i left that camera in there till uh right before rifle season so i was i checked it i think one time in right before the season and sometime in late september and there was one buck that was consistently living in there and you know nice eight point for pa wasn't huge uh but definitely it was good enough for me uh, he wasn't consistently using that pinch point uh on a daily basis or anything uh but just roughly but I knew eventually that he would be using that. So, you know, it was the 22nd. I had a really good win for that spot. I wanted to go in there in the morning. Uh, but what I talked about on our podcast, what I changed this year is, you know, this, this spot is a kind of a finger ridge where it's really long and it's not skinny, but it's, you know, not very wide. Uh, and then it kind of wraps around at the, the point. And what I would typically do is I would walk down the middle of the ridge because most of the deer are coming out of the bottom and angling up into this uh, ridge for the bed in the morning. So I felt comfortable walking down the middle, but sometimes I would bump some deer. Uh, so for me to take the opposite ridge and walk the whole way down, it was really far uh, and it would take a lot more time. But I made the point this year because we always talk about access and exit. Uh, that I was going to take the additional time to walk that opposite ridge, which is a lot further, um, and then kind of J-hook into the spot because it's kind of where I have to access it is kind of above, and then I have to walk down and around because there's no way to come in the backside because it's a big piece of public, uh, and there's no real access point from there. So I was kind of J-hook, got in there early, um, got up, uh, First thing in the morning, I heard a deer coming. I knew in this spot that typically at first light is tip when you're going to see that buck. He's either going to be all ready to bed or he's going to be in that first, you know, half hour to hour of light window. And then after that, you might see some does or younger bucks, but typically that mature buck's going to be through there pretty quickly. So you got to kind of catch him on that just a little bit late to bed, uh, is what I've seen in my trail camera pictures. So got in early that morning. Um, that was that kind of the muzzleloader youth hunting, uh, rifles. So there is some hot, uh, pressure at that point in this area. Um, and lo and behold, the first deer I see is that buck that I had on camera, but he's kind of got kind of spooked up over the ridge and he ran in front of me at like 30, 35 yards, but just no shot mm. ran through my opening. Um, he actually went into the laurel, uh, he had a scrape about 15 yards in front of me, and I did have um, some buck fever, uh, I think it's their red moon, um, doe estrus. And 
I had that in the scrape, and actually the wind was blowing from that scrape uh, where he was standing about 50 yards in the laurel. I could just see his rack. And he actually turned and almost came back to the scrape. Uh, he got to just the edge of the laurel, about 45 yards, no shot. And then eventually I think he just could smell where that, that scrape was and just couldn't see anything. And then he just kind of turned that down into his bed. So, you know, I had a really nice encounter, encounter with him. Um, it's really cool experience. Uh, had a really nice buck early on, which, you know, I, I chalked that up as a win again, mm, you know, you get, you get frustrated and, you know, again, I, you know, I always think of Zach on the hunting public and we, we talked about him before, but like, he's like, a, even though like he's big you two are influenced, I, I just love that when he has something bad go wrong, he looks at the camera and he's always got a smile on the face and he's like, man, that was cool. And, you know, I, I would love to be like that, you know, and I, I think the pressure again makes you really frustrated when things happen like that. So I'm trying to kind of be like, wow, that was a great experience. You know, I almost had him. If someone wouldn't have jumped him, he probably during daylight would have came up over that ridge just like where he ran and would have walked right in front of me. So that afternoon, it got really warm. It was supposed to be like in the low 70s, I think, that afternoon. So uh, fortunately, I do have a, a piece of uh, private that my in-laws uh, own that have a couple of food plots on. So... You know, I was headed to that in the afternoon and just we kind of shifted to doe, doe kill again. I had, a, I had a second tag for that area. So I got up in a field and, you know, typical hunt, last light, doe, three does came over, two small bucks. The biggest doe just read the script, came right to the corner of the, the food plot, and I shot her, um, ran 40 yards, out up. My shot was a little back for that, that uh that deer but i saw her bed down 40 yards from the shot went in the next morning she was right there where i left her nice um so that was my second kill on the 22nd and then uh then on the following sunday i headed out to ohio so a buddy and i scouted a piece one day public ground first time ever in ohio which was definitely a different experience for us you know Terrain is totally different than PA. You know, it, it doesn't look that much different, um, but it's a lot steeper and it's a lot thicker. With, I mean, after you go to Ohio, you hate Greenbrier because it is nasty. Um, and I felt like you had to hunt a lot different than you would in PA. So we were there from the 30th, which was my birthday. So we, we got there on my birthday, pulled some cameras. Um, typically, I would like to just scout that out, but since it was my birthday, my goal always has been to kill one on my birthday mm -hmm. which i haven't done yet but uh so i was wanted to be in the tree that night so uh we sat um we had some really slammers on our camera in that area um didn't see anything that night i think leaves were too crunchy uh we went in checked cameras and then we kind of went back in so i, I think we just got a little excited after seeing those cameras that that night um then we set up camp and it rained the next day but Long story short, my buddy and I uh, hunted hard for three or four days, and the first deer he saw was a spike. He shot it. Then the next day, the first deer I shot was a spike. Um, so I shot that. So that was my third deer of the year, uh, which it was a buck, which still counts. It's legal. Mm -hmm. And so that felt really good. And I took a lot. I think even just shooting that spike took a lot, even more pressure off of me for the season. So, um 
you know, that was leading. And then we even left a day early there uh, coming back to PA. Good deal. Good deal. Jeremy, we're, your mind's got to be racing throughout our conversation here, and, and I, I wanted to pick your brain. So you guys have both done the Antler Up podcast for a while. Yep. You've uh, you've had a ton of people on. You learn a ton when you – like I, I never realized when I started this how much I would just learn from people on, uh, on these shows. And we were talking about – pressure on yourself and we're talking about podcasting so i'm kind of curious like i know you're 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 not it's not the end of the world you haven't shot a bucket and you got all late season but i really want to know like the social media aspect like open-ended what are your thoughts um on the the social media the 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 pressure you put on yourself going into the the season you had because i know you learned a lot and you had a great season so far and all the encounters you've had honestly i think uh you know I would say two years ago, it sucked, right? I would say two years ago, I put a lot of pressure on myself coming in. You know, I started Antler Up, killed a really nice, you know, buck with the bow. Uh, Dimitri did as well. So it was kind of like the same thing. We both went into uh, that next season. I think the two of us really thinking like, okay, we got to continue to produce. You know what I mean? And that really sucked. I mean, especially when like our first deer that we actually saw that I think, to kill that year was like Halloween. You know what I mean? Like whether it was a doe or a buck, like it just was a, a tough year. And, you know, you kind of look at it like, you know, we need to have fun. And then the last year, I think we both did a, a really good job of, of, of doing that. And, you know, I, I, there were years growing up where I didn't kill a buck and, you know, I just, it is what it was. And obviously now you have this podcast, this platform and you bring people on like, I don't know, man, like I, this year, I went into it like I want to improve. I want to gain experience. I want to, if it, that means me to shoot a buck, like great. And if you know if you're looking to follow a natural born buck killer, like I'm not it. <laughs> like, and that's okay with me. Like I'm, uh, you know, I'll, I'll hunt my tail off and uh, do what makes me happy like kind of like what dimitri said as long as it's legal and it makes you happy and at the end of the day like you're like i'm not going to lose sleep over what someone else thinks and no one else should lose sleep for for whatever i think and uh i think that's played a real big role like i like i said i had friends message me like man are you getting trigger happy yet like like, yeah, I wanted to kill something because I want some more meat because I've been eating a lot of it. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? If, it, if that means it's going to be now a, you know, a, a half rack, whatever, or a doe, like, that's what it will be. Um, I think it's great when my friends shoot bucks. I'm probably more amped up for them at some point than, than they are. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, I don't know. I, I just think, I think you probably have, I've gone through like a, as far as like our Instagram page, cause that's where we're most active, I guess. A evolution of through that. Like I remember posting just the post because I wanted to get it out there. Now, mm-hmm. like I'll post something maybe once other week when it has nothing to do with our guests. Maybe, you know, I, m- I might post more of my story. Like I just don't, it's not the end all be all. You know what I mean? It's not who we are as representative of like, I don't know, like if I would post again every single day, like I could post a picture of this, I don't know, this 
antler, uh, the wheel on my, my, my bovice or whatever, and like the press and make up some corny thing and have people respond like, yeah, there's, I guess there's time for that, but it's not, I don't, I, like, I, I don't know. Like, I guess it's hard to explain. Like today we were laughing because there was a social media person that hell, we even had him on the podcast and like, we saw a video of something that he did and like, I cringed. Like I literally cringed watching and I was like, oh. like, I don't know. What you're saying is so important. There's probably people listening to this that are partially rolling their eyes because they're not social media people. And right. like, it, it right. sounds like a stupid, uh, stupid conversation, but at the same time, it's so relevant right now because it's amazing how many people get caught up in social media. I'm guilty of it to a certain degree. I don't think I'm very bad because I, I personally, I'm the same way. I kind of don't give a shit. But yeah. um, at, to a certain degree, when you are when you have your own podcast, you put pressure on yourself. We already talked about that. But um, it, it's like an I mean, identity thing. Like, Yeah. I mean, years ago, like when we first started, I think like anything, you want to you want to verify yourself, right? Like, I think you, you want to say, you know, we, we are good people, you know, we're family guys We're you know, we, we love hunting, we love the outdoors and that's, we wanted to learn. Like that's our platform. Our platform is an educational base of, of growing to be a better hunter and a better person, right? Like I, like in a nutshell, when somebody asked me, what is the Antler Up podcast? I say it's a, a podcast where Demetri and I come on, we bring guests on where we could hopefully share fun stories, but also, you know, it's an educational based platform. And I think, uh, you know, early on we did get caught up in that. Like what, who could we work with and what could we do and, and all that stuff. Like now I have, I would love to work with certain people because they're, they're our friends. There's a, there's a connection to that. And if that doesn't mean if that means that, you know, it, it, whatever, if it's a product, not a product, then like, I don't know, I'd, I'd rather have a friend than a product. That product is, you know, I've gone through six friggin' releases within the last two years. Like, so I find one that works. It's, I don't know. It's so, it's so hard. I think a lot of people get into it maybe for the, uh, do get into it for the right reasons, but then there's uh, a, a weird time frame, and then could circle back to doing it for what their passion it was for. Um, so I, I don't know, man, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing because there are things where if you, are working with friends and they own a company and you're doing something like, you, you know, there are, I guess, things that you have to do, but also, I don't know. I felt like this year was a year where we've done us. Does that make sense to me, Would you agree with that? You know, like we, we did what we, who we are. And, and that's what you should do. And that's, that's what I'm so glad to hear from you guys. And I, I'm so glad for anybody that listens to this because that's all that matters because I mean, you can easily get, it's, it's not hard to get influenced if it, and it's, to me, it's an identity thing. I mean, we, let's face it all outside of the hunting community, look at the identity crisis we've got going on in our country yeah. and people, people trying to figure out who they are in so many aspects of life. So you tailor that into the hunting. And I've, I talked about this on another episode that I did earlier this fall. And like, um, I, I, 
I'm not ashamed to admit that I am not the greatest deer hunter in the world. I'm not the biggest, baddest buck killer in the world. And maybe there's times I, I think I am and, and, and want to be just because I'm trying to boost my confidence. But the reality of it is, is I'm not. And there's no reason why I have to show that. I just want to do what I enjoy. And I right. enjoy chasing whitetails. I enjoy chasing black bear. I really enjoy doing it in the company of the people who I love and truly want to be around. And that's yeah. one of the things that I've, I've really started to take hold of more. I love my time in the woods with my family, um, my buddies. You know, I, I, I gained new hunting buddies this year. Um, you know, uh, Andrew Munts from the O2 podcast came out to deer camp with us this year. That was a, that was a new hunting buddy. I mean, I was bugging you during during hunting season, Jeremy, texting back and forth, and like that's the stuff I enjoy. So I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, and I'm I'm. I'm, I'm really glad we're talking about yeah. this because I was like, in, I was like depressed reading the after season deers, the after deer season comments and stuff I'd see on, on people's posts or Facebook or whatever. So I right. think it's relevant. I hope I answered it right, or or at least what you wanted. Like, and I hope I answered the way. If I listen when I listen back to it, like I I hope I'm I know I'm sure going to say something. But like Dimitri and I, we've been doing this uh, for three years now, um, right or four uh three i think three yes i'm sorry three yeah this will be like coming up january like whatever uh that early january will be three years doing the podcast but um but prior to doing the podcast like we that 19 year we is when we kind of started doing things and then that january 2020 is when we started the podcast but yeah i don't know man i i i agree wholeheartedly with you i think um you just just need to I don't know, be, be you, I guess. And that's, uh, no, that's not kind of cliche, but like I said earlier, I think Demetri and I at Jim and our buddy, Mike, like we just go out there and just, you know, be, be us and enjoy it. And that's, that's a key thing is like, just go out there and enjoy it. And, and whether it's private land, public land, like it doesn't matter. For sure. So shifting gears here a little bit, guys, um, along the lines of the podcasting, I wanted to ask you guys, both this question um you've had a lot of guests on talking about very specific things i'd be curious is there anything that stands out that you take as like i learned something really specific from talking to this individual or maybe just talking to a group of individuals they all share this one commonality and it's really helped me with my deer hunting or my scouting or my shooting or something like that like like I'll let the floor open to you guys. Dimitri, I'm curious your thoughts on it first. Yeah, so, you know, I've always grown up loving hunting. Like, I mean, you ask any of my family, like, since I was, even before I could go out hunting here in Pennsylvania, like, I just could not think about anything else typically but besides hunting because it was just engraved in my mind. But, you know, so growing up, you know, we had different, media platforms obviously back then you only had the outdoor channel you had magazines and that's typically what you read so you know you 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 were limited to what you were reading and you know so you kind of tried to tailor that style to what you did right and we all know depending on even if it's different areas in pennsylvania or other states that what you encounter is going to be a lot different than what you're reading or watching on tv right at that time frame. So, you know, it was car- really hard to implement those strategies to, to what I was doing, right? And then when YouTube came along and podcasts, 
you know, you still, I still felt like that I, I, I was trying to do exactly what someone else was telling me that worked for them. Right. And you try to mirror that, like, you know, maybe whatever Mark Kenyon's doing or, you know, someone, you know, Mark Jury or someone like that was doing and you should, you could do the same thing where you were at. But, you know, recently what I've really figured out doing the podcast is, you know, it's not that you want to mirror someone's style, but take little tidbits of what they might tell you and relate that to what you're hunting. So it's not like do this. It's, well, maybe you should kind of think about this or, you know, take this point. If, if you see this, maybe that means this. And, you know, so, you know, that's why I love doing the podcast selfishly because I get to ask the questions to a lot of these guests. So it's not like a specific guest or a specific thing that I, you know, really enjoy. I, I think it's learning all these different perspectives and then, you know, and taking little things from everybody. And then when I'm out in the woods or whether I'm scouting or hunting and I, I see maybe a scrape or maybe I see that, that uh, feeding tree with all the acorns. And, you know, so all these guests kind of then pop up in what they said in my mind and say, oh, okay, now this is what they're talking about. And then I kind of implement that into the area that I'm hunting just because everybody's style is a little bit different. So, so that's kind of what I take a from a lot of the guests is you kind of got to put all these little things in your toll belt and, you know, have them in there and then, you know, wait till you encounter that and really pay attention when you're out in the woods. Um, and then they're going to tell you what tool you need to kind of pull out and when, uh, when you're out in the woods. Is there anything specific that you really say, you know, this is one area that I, I think, I've learned a lot from podcasting and I've, I've utilized that tool more so than others, or is it just a very, very general sense? Like I've, I've picked up so much, it's hard to really pinpoint. So the one thing that I, I probably would say that I talk about the most is, you know, I use the word pinch point, right? Because here in Pennsylvania, you know, hunting the big woods and mountain areas and all wooded where there's not fields or, you know, there's not a, you know, a drainage ditch or, you know, you might even be hard to find a crick or something in a lot of the big woods where we're hunting. You know, I always heard the term pinch point. And I'm like, what, what, what does that mean? Like, how does that relate to me? You know, you hear people in the Midwest talking about it and people that have properties. And, you know, I'm like, well, what would that look like in the big woods where there's not like that funnel or, you know, so a lot of that, um, was really difficult for me to comprehend and, and, you know, and hearing people talk about, and I've asked that question before, like, you know, what does a pinpoint or a funnel look like to you in the big woods? And then, you know, eventually where I killed my buck the last two years, I kind of figured that out where, you know, I put boots on the ground. I went to this, uh, this bench on the upper third of the ridge and I kind of found some rock formations that, that, you know, you would never see on the map, but, uh, you know, they kind of, force the deer to funnel, you know, in one direction across that, that bench and into the laurel. And you could see that, I mean, it was clear as day, the path that they were taking because they couldn't kind of travel in different directions. Um, you know, so it wasn't something that was, you know, going to be very visual unless you really went out there and found it. So that kind of was a big eye opener for me of what to look for and how the deer kind of use that in the big woods. And I feel like that's been 
very helpful for me and just even just seeing deer not even being successful yeah i can definitely echo that and the one thing that stands out to me is the episode that you guys did with ryan glitzky not that long ago and he was talking about you know a lot of buck get killed that first bench down over he's like but you know that's only one edge and you go and you follow that bench out and it comes to a point now you've got the bench working up with a point he goes but then if you follow that point down over he goes that gets to a creek bottom that might be a hub with multiple points coming together and you'll have all those benches that lead to those points that leads to that hub and you've got an area where you're going to have in the big woods where it seems so monotonous and difficult to pinch point or uh, a pinch deer down for a bow shot now you've got this spot where you've got a lot more edge features transitioning in your favor and like hearing that was something that really uh, opened my thoughts up because i've hunted a lot of first benches down over because it was loaded with sign and i've seen some deer but um you know that that thought logic it just expanded my, my thought a little bit so jeremy on that that same topic of discussion I, I i transitioned to you yeah i and i really love um seeing like just seeing how people's mind work you know how how like what they think about whatever topic it be like i love uh i loved our conversation we had with zach from thb uh i had a chance to kind of meet zach uh this past summer and i just felt like being able to, even though Dimitri wasn't there, I just felt like Zach was very himself. Uh, and just, I mean, he's such a great dude. And when you see him interact with other people, he is who he is. There's no, uh, you know, there's no show for what he does on YouTube. So I think that conversation was one of my, like, I don't know. I just thought that was a, a good one overall, as far as tactic goes, mind goes, just a bunch of different things. But the one piece that I feel like that I really honed in on this year, uh, to, to try to, to do was the whole scrape hunting thing. Uh, just because last year I did a little bit of it with just seeing how deer reacted up on the mountain back at home and just seeing like, wow, they actually do use this. And I didn't really do anything. I didn't do it the quote unquote Troy Pottinger way, right? I didn't do it the like make it realistic and all that stuff. I just was like, well, oh, here's like, I did it even stupid where I put like, I even dropped like the deer urine on top. It's like, well, a deer's not going to pick up its leg and piss on that branch, right? Like, I just did it totally wrong, but yet I still got action on these cameras, like bucks. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was like, whoa, like, where's, we never got that on camera before, whether it be like this big mature deer. So going into this year, like, I really wanted to talk for me, like, kind of like what Dimitri was saying, like, selfishly, like, I want to get some of those great, quote unquote, great hunters hunters on or that know about scrape hunting in general so that was a thing that i kind of really keyed in on like i talked about it on the podcast where i was in an area this this year where uh i was on public land and that guy came up out of nowhere just hooting and hollering and yelling like that was over over a scrape that was heavily used and the buck that popped out that day was on that scrape a couple days prior so i knew he was in that area and, and had a pretty good chance of opportunity where it was after a rain I had a really good gut feeling that buck was nearby and would check that that evening. And I think he would have, if that guy didn't do what he did, but Mm. yeah. So I would say like the whole scrape hunting thing, because growing up, I mean, we, we concentrated on, on sign, whether it be, you know, rubs and scrapes, but we didn't really, my dad and I like growing up, I didn't really calculate like what the hell that scrape could really do for me. Right. Like I didn't know what that could do. And as you grow, got old, as I grew older and, kind of watch videos and everything and 
got a chance to talk to some of these really good scrape hunters, that's where I feel like I really took advantage and, uh, you know, really kind of, again, chalk it up to success. Like Dimitri's, uh, October 22nd, uh, hunt on that buck. Like I had a friend, uh, of ours kind of tell me like, like I chalked that up that like, Hey, that's a real big win for Dimitri because you, you won that chess match. It just didn't, you just didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and I know some people are like, well, then you didn't win the chess match. It's like, well, but you like you did, you got in on that within bow range to kill that, that deer. Exactly. Right? That's huge. Like, the same thing with that pie ball for me this year. Like, even though I keep play, replaying that, well, I wish I would have done this different. I mean, I could have spit on, him. do you know what I mean? Type of ordeal. Like I, I beat him at his game. I just, I just didn't get it done. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I, I really chalk up the whole scrape hunting thing the past year, but again, kind of echo what Dimitri said. It's that little, little tidbits that you could kind of piece things together when you see certain maybe terrain features come together and you're like, Oh, like you're, you're able, the light bulb goes off a little bit. And, um, you know, it just makes you a little bit more confident out there. And, uh, I, I'm really love it, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I mean, let's face it. We're, Anybody who has a podcast obviously likes to bullshit a little bit. So when we can bullshit about deer hunting with other people who like to bullshit about deer hunting, it's it's good stuff. I mean, I can I can definitely go with that. So well, and I I don't even like I don't mean to cut you off, Mitch, but like I'll even just say personally like how much I've learned from Dimitri, like mm. just from he and I when we go out walking and do things. But then on top of it, like I'm thinking of one other thing, and the way my brain is like ADHD. I'm going off and then like he'll ask like that very in-depth question from what I want to think. I just can't come up with that right yeah. question. And that's even something I struggle with in my classroom with in health class. Like I know what I want to ask and I ask it and kids are like looking at me like I got 10 heads and then like the kid will answer it. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that's how I want to re and I re-ask the question. Right. So I like, hell, I've learned even so much just because I have him right next to me to go bounce those things off of and, and get that off. So I could, you know, I'm very appreciative of, of what he uh, has even helped me get better at it as a hunter as well. Yeah. And I think it's just, th- that goes back to what we were talking about earlier in our conversation. We were talking about like how you weigh success and, you know, killing stuff versus just enjoying your, your camaraderie and people like people interest me. Like l- let's face it, like people who love doing this and have a different train of thought interest me one person i'm gonna i'm gonna name drop here that does that for me um johnny stewart now johnny stewart is a very very well-known big woods you know all hunter of all sorts i mean he's just a whitetail hunting freak but some of the things that he explains talks about describes and his natures and his mannerisms they're so artistic the way his mind works the way he sees it and the way he explains it to the point where there's sometimes of like that sounds absolutely ludicrous but at the same time when you've got the resume that you have like there's got to be something to it so it's just the way people's mind work to interpret things like that's how you learn stuff and it could be this like you've looked at this one scrape I'll just use scrapes for example this one scrape the exact same way and it just takes one mind to see it from one different perspective and a whole new world opens up to you that I don't know if that's a really good example or not but it just I love the way people's mind work and the way it just broadens your horizons to thinking and, and relates to hunting 
Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, just that second day of rifle season, when I said I found that scrape, like I went into a different area, like it, it think of like that, that mountain and my dad would be up here and I'm kind of towards the bottom of it. And there, I went in this between a spot and because there's pines, it's just different habitat comes together. And uh, I walked in there and I was like, holy cow, like look at how much steeper this is a little bit. And there's rocky and I found like an insane trail. And I just, I said to myself, there's got to be a crazy scrape somewhere on this, on this trail. Like there, it's just the way the deer use this, there has to be. And I walked it for like 40 minutes and boom, there it was. Like I could see, I saw a tree ahead of me. I'm like that there's a scrape there. I guarantee it. And like, I've heard our guests say that. And I'm like, no way. How do they know? (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's just like. Boom. And I, I did it to myself and I walked there and there was a scrape and I was like, keep falling. I guarantee there's another one. I walked 30, 40 more yards. Boom. There was another one. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh my gosh. And I, on that first one that I saw, I looked and it was like kind of like this bench before and it's all nasty and thick. I'm, and I marked it. I'm like, I got to get in here in, in October. Cause I guarantee like, you know what I mean? It was just, uh, that was like a big light bulb moment. And again, that right there, was a a great moment in the season. I think back to that pie ball situation at the end of that that thing when I let down when he jumped away. Like I texted Dimitri like a big long thing. I wasn't mad. I was actually so pumped. I I even like I didn't share it with anybody, but I took a video because my foot was all going crazy. And, but like that was a that was a success, you know. Absolutely. So, um, sticking on to your hunting, Jeremy, do you have any big master plans for late season here or is it, are you just kind of taking it as we come or what's that look like for you? No, I think, uh, Dimitri and I, and, uh, our buddy that he mentioned earlier, uh, Ian, that he went to Ohio with, uh, I, we're going to, I don't know. Did he talk to you yet? Dimitri, am I jumping the gun for you? What's that? Uh, he, we, he wants to do a, kind of like a, a deer drive kind of oh, yeah. together. Yeah. So we're going to do something together. Uh, whether I have the bow, he has the flintlock and, and everything. And so the three of us will probably do something. Yeah, he, Dimitri has one more doe tag, uh, for PA as well in, in, a, in a unit. Um, right. You have two E still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you, he has that. Um, I'm going to still try to locate a buck. Uh, I think that would be really cool. Uh, there are still a few that are sticking around, especially to even where is this bow only spot that I have access to. And man, if we get this snow that they're calling for tonight and next week, it, when, uh, after, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm not a weatherman, but if, man, when they're right, I love it when they call for snow for mm-hmm. like next, next, potentially next Thursday, we could get another good bit. And when that snow hits, man, the little spot that I have, they, they do group up. And, uh, if I get in there, I not call my shot, but I, I think I've, I have a pretty good chance for after, at, at least at a doe. Uh, but there's been a nice buck stick around still that I would have no no problem putting an arrow through him if he presents a shot. Good deal. So you already answered my question. Your your hunt with Mo Dimitri, do you like art late archery or do you take the flint lockout? Um, I've done both. Uh I have both, so uh, it just depends. If it's colder, if it's those really low temperatures, uh no bow. <laughs> yeah. I like to walk around. You know what I mean, and and do some drives with my dad and and some friends and stuff. So uh, I'm fifty fifty. It just depends on the situation. I've never got one with my flintlock. I've 
I have shot uh, numerous times with a flintlock and, and not got anything. So I think it would be pretty cool um, to get one with a flintlock. So I'd probably take that. I think so. I want to get a video of you slow motion, like I said, like how those guys on Meat Eater had that, had that video. I would love to see that in slow motion. So that video on Meat Eater, when I watched that, I just laughed my tail off so bad because that video, uh, uh, that show they did highlighting Pennsylvania Flintlock late season, that is the story for almost everybody's first introduction to a flintlock muzzleloader. Because the first thing that happened was he had, uh, I think it was a, a, a buck come out or a doe come out, and he put the set trigger and he went to to adjust as the deer was running, and he, you know, that's a hair trigger after you pull that set trigger, boom, and the gun goes <laughs> off. And I'm just laughing because I know that that's happened to people. And then, so you you fire your gun, right? And it was a it was a rainy, snowy, high humidity day, a normal day in Pennsylvania. And you know that that black powder after it's fired, it's anhydrous, and you know it's wicking moisture, so it's really really hard to keep your powder dry after that gun's fired that first time. But they keep doing drives later in the day, and he has this perfect shot opportunity on one of their pushes, comes out and click nothing goes off it doesn't and keeping that powder dry so so it was like I, I watched that and i just couldn't help but laugh because i've been in so many hunting situations late season where that's happened to people it's happened to me to some degree it was just that was entertaining <laughs> yeah that was a good that was a good one sure but hey i guys uh, I, I really appreciate your conversation um you know, any uh, any final thoughts you want to leave us on you know, I just think, like we've been talking about, don't put pressure on yourself. I know a lot of people that probably listen to this don't have, uh, you know, any social media. They probably have social media, but any, like, influencer or podcast. But, you know, just be yourself and don't worry about what other people tell you and just enjoy the process, you know. Um, you know, the traditions that we've built, especially here in Pennsylvania, you know, our grandfathers and our fathers that have taught us hunting is, you know, they didn't have social media. They just, you know, had fun and enjoyed each other's company. And, you know, I think the, the greatest days I've had hunting is either when someone else has killed something or, you know, even like the last couple of years, I've killed a buck tag. But, you know, we all kind of ne don't like the orange army that comes with rifle season. But if you embrace it and still enjoy it, you know, I have more fun if I have a tag notched and you go out there and I'm sitting in a stand with no weapon in my hand just waiting for someone to call me because they they got something i'm the cart man you know i have more fun doing that than you know uh you know putting one down myself so i think you know you guys gotta enjoy it. if you love hunting you love all aspects of hunting whether it's killing or just scouting or if it's you know uh you know hanging out with a buddy like my dad has a every rifle season he has a kind of a um, get together in his garage and everyone brings food and you know it's either it's kind of like at the beginning of rifle he sometimes he does it before and sometimes he does it slightly in inside a rifle or after and you know guys get together and wives and uh you know kids and everyone gets together in the garage and eats and tells stories and uh you know you know a lot of people of the of the group doesn't really talk a ton during archery so everyone tells their stories of how the season went and it, you know it's just a big bs session that mm -hmm. you know and no one hears it right it's not on social media it's not on a podcast you know but that's that's what we 
we enjoy doing and, you know, just have fun with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah closing remarks from, from my end. I just, you know, thanks Mitch for, for having us on, man. I appreciate, uh, you know, for us, like I said, coming up to the three years that Demetri and I have been doing the podcast. So, you know, those of you that, that listen to this, that have been following us, man, like, honestly, like really, really means a lot. It's, it's, uh, you know, one those messages that, I, that I get about like, and just down to earth and all that stuff like that means more to me than, than anything. And I'm glad that people could kind of connect uh, with us in some form or some fashion, because that's, you know, that's, that's what it's about. You know what I mean? It's, it's about getting uh, great information out there that's meaningful, purposeful, but also in reality, we all enjoy it and we all are able to do what we love. And that's to, to get outside and, and chase whitetails like, whether you kill or you don't kill, you have that opportunity to go out there with either a bow, a gun, uh, whatever in your hand to, to chase. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Awesome. So, Hey, in honor of the antler up podcast, this is one tradition you guys do on so many of your episodes that I love. I'm going to copycat you and I want to do some rapid fire questions. So I hope, I hope, I hope I do. All right. Um, I, I had a couple specific ones I wanted to ask you guys. So, um, I'm going to let her rip and see what, see what you guys think. So the first question I want to ask, what is your reaction to the statement, you can't eat the antlers? True. Absolutely true. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. I feel it. If, if you could pick one hunter, any hunter, to join you in deer camp for a week to follow along, hunt with, take from, who would it be? I'm I'm going with uh, a a buddy of mine, Taylor Chamberlain, because he will just make not only me laugh but everybody else. If you know Taylor, oh my gosh, man, he is uh, he's a piece of work. Mm. Dimitri, uh, I'd probably say Zach from THP. I just think he'd be a good time again, and you would learn stuff, but you'd also laugh a whole lot too. Yep, I like it. So. Uh, what is, do you have, or what is one goal you have going into 2023 hunting season? My goal is to put a deer down on either the first day or the first week. Uh, I'm going to go into like, uh, I'm going to do mine that where it's not necessarily hunting season, I, I've seen Ryan Glitzky and a bunch of other individuals talk about like how many quote unquote miles they, they get, uh, scouting. I don't want to do miles. I just want to, I might try to do, uh, like a day where like pick days. Uh, I love that they do miles because I think that's great. Um, but I'm going to try to say like a, a specific number. I'm not there yet. So I don't want to give a number out now, but I do want to, now that I'm not coaching no longer here in the spring, I want to designate a lot of time to, to get out there scouting and, uh, there's a couple pieces where nearby that I would like to Dimitri and I to, to walk around with and that I'm pretty sure he's never walked to around either. And I think could be some cool spots for us. Okay. Two more. First one, what is, uh, one thing that you would like to improve upon in your hunting arsenal? I think one thing that I would be is just to get on more buck patterns than typically 
you know, hunting the rut style, which I feel like I've been successful the last several years doing, but, you know, I want to find that one buck that I kind of have several trail cameras, kind of figure them out, and kind of, you know, it doesn't have to be early on, but kind of in this natural movement, uh, harvest that buck. Nice. I, for me, I want to continue, uh, in that heat of the moment. I want to continue to, to improve, to get to, uh, be that like straight up killer, like knowing that I'm not going to like just totally black out. Oh, I can echo that one big time. I can shoot the lights out on targets when I am shooting with my bow, and it is amazing how I sneak up on a doe on the ground, and I'm just thinking, you're dead as a doornail, and I draw the bow back and duke through everything, and the minute that I dress her chest with my pin and start to go, and I start shaking like crazy, I'm like, it's a doe. <laughs> chill, chill. Yeah. Last one. The end of a successful hunt. What is your drink of choice? IPA. Yeah, IPA. IPA. Okay, okay. I've 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 gone that route too. I, I I'm new to the whole IPAs. My boss gets me uh, an Advent beer calendar. Somebody that he knows creates a beer calendar you know 24 pack leading up to christmas the month of december and a bunch of them have ipas and every day is a different beer and it, they're growing on me it's different yeah. it's different i'm not used to it i'll i'll even uh throw out for our buddies up in new york i've specifically i know dimitri does it too we try to keep one of our buddies from pernier outdoors they do a really cool event every july where they brew their own and then they donate all like i think all the proceeds to uh the NDA up there and everything like that. So it's a really cool, cool fundraiser thing. Feature and I, we always get beer sent to us from them and uh, nice. that we buy in front off of them. And we try to save a, a that beer for when, when a kill happens. Good deal. Guys, this was a blast. I really appreciate you coming on my show and BSing with me, BSing deer hunting. Um, hopefully we can do it again real soon. Um, sounds like dimitri you're kind of off the hook maybe a little bit of late season but you know jeremy without a doubt best of luck to you um, appreciate it. hammer down absolutely take care boys